Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is January the 25th. Obviously, it is Friday evening, and I thank you so much uh, for joining me. Always great to be able to play that game of catch-up. And as usual, there's so much to catch up on. But uh, for those of you who perhaps are new to the program, I just want you to know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service. Uh, And I've truly been a man on a mission ever since the terror attacks of September 11th, 2001, that changed America and in many ways changed the world and uh, not for the better. Immigration is a key issue. And I bring to bear and I bring to the conversation my 30 years of experience as an agent, plus other experiences I've had uh, since I left the INS to try to educate as many of our fellow Americans and as many of our alleged leaders about the true nature of border security, the true nature and significance of immigration law enforcement. And you need to know that there are many, many, many people and groups and industries that love to exploit immigration. They want cheap, exploitable labor, not just the illegal aliens, but the H-1B visas that you've heard about and other visas. It's about driving down American wages. It's about displacing American workers. It is about as disloyal as it gets, and both political parties are all in. So when you see the arguments between the Democrats and the Republicans, please remember that a lot of this is not any different from the old tag team wrestling that I used to watch as a kid Those of you who are as old as I am or in my age bracket, remember the names, you know, um, Buddy Rogers, Haystacks, Calhoun, Antonina, Rocca. Uh, These folks would go out there, they would wrestle, they would smear ketchup on each other, and it looked as though they were bleeding. And as a nine-year-old kid growing up in Brooklyn, I actually thought these people were badly hurt. We found out, of course, it was an act. Of course, in some cases, they were injured by accident. And in fact, one of the guys who came to work for the INS uh, as an inspector had been a wrestler. And um, boy, did he tell me stories about these shenanigans and the clowning around that happened, but how sometimes some guy jumping off the turnbuckle in the ring would land in, in a bad way and suffer real serious injuries. But the injuries were accidental. And I'm convinced that many of the Uh, Injuries in the political arena are accidental or contrived also. That's not to say that there aren't differences, but um, many of the battles are fake. They're for show. They're to convince the American people that somehow they are fighting for you. If you believe that story, I have a bridge or more appropriately, perhaps a wall to sell you. And let's not make this a left-right issue. I get so infuriated because those of you, again, familiar with me know that I do a lot of writing for Front Page Magazine. I've written some articles for the social contract, but I concentrate primarily on Front Page. 
sponsored uh, by the terrific David Horowitz Freedom Center. I'm very proud to uh, be a columnist at Front Page. I, I try to produce at least a half dozen or more articles for the uh, website. And I ask you to please check my articles out. Check out the website, too. But please, specifically, obviously, I'd like you to read my articles and go to my website, michaelcutler.net, because this is about providing you with the information the mainstream media won't give you, and it's a way for you to uncover the lies and the propaganda that is being spewed. And sometimes people will comment on my website, or my articles, rather, on the David Horowitz Freedom Center website, and, and, and use disparaging language to describe Democrats and so forth. Look, I can't say anything good about the Democratic Party's leadership. And I'm registered as a Democrat, full disclosure. Can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat, but I find it increasingly difficult to vote for Republicans also. They're all in on this. They're all in on this. You know, the argument, well, we can't deport 11 million illegals. You may as well give them lawful status. And then the debate turns to, well, the Democrats are so compassionate, they want to give them citizenship. Maloney, they want them to vote for their candidates without committing fraud, you know. Uh, but then the Republicans say, we're tough, no citizenship for them, just permission to work. Well, that's all they want. And I'm going to let you in on a secret that nobody in the mainstream media is going to tell you. Gather around the radio or your, or your computer. Um, this is Blog Talk Radio. Um, if an alien wants to get citizenship, all he or she has to do is marry an American and wait three years and apply for citizenship. So even the aliens that would get lawful status to work could ultimately become citizens just by marrying an American. But nobody tells anybody that. Shh, it's a big secret. They don't want you to know because we're having this fake fight. Citizenship, no citizenship. That became the debate. The actual discussion ought to be how do we discourage more illegal immigration? The actual discussion should be, how do we convince people who shouldn't be here to not come here in the first place? How are we doing that by having our leaders from both parties come to an agreement that if we can't deport them all, let's not deport anybody. Let's decide if we should give them citizenship or, quote, unquote, only permission to work. Only permission to displace American and lawful immigrant workers. Only to send money out of the country to the tune of tens of billions of dollars every year that is lost to our economy. And when you add in the multiplier effect, folks, the money being sent out of the United States by illegal aliens more than accounts for the annual increase in the U.S. national debt. Do I lack compassion? Absolutely not. Am I angry at the illegal aliens? Believe it or not, I'm not. Now, I probably just knocked you on your rear end, but that's okay. Get up, dust yourself off, sit down, and put on your seatbelt, because here's the story. Americans are, wrong, are angry at the wrong people. Illegal aliens, unless they're criminals, unless they're dirtbags, the ones who come here out of desperation and work, are as much a victim as anybody else. They're being treated like trash. I used to raid the factories. I raided the places where they worked. And as one illegal alien said to me at a hearing in Indiana when I helped them um, get a law passed that was very similar to the Arizona immigration law, the Arizona law SB 1070, 
and in Arizona and uh, Indianapolis, I believe it was SB 590, but I could be mistaken. I have a rusty brain. <laughs> it's my, my, I have a brain of steel. It's all rusted. But, but this one illegal alien came up to me and thanked me for making the point about how terribly they're treated. Because he said to me, Mr. Cutler, if they treated a dog the way they treat illegal aliens, they'd go to jail. But when you do it to illegal aliens, it's just another day in the United States. Exploitation is not compassion. You have desperate people coming to the United States. We allow America to be the safety valve for countries like Mexico, El Salvador, and Guatemala. And what do we do? We entice the men, for the most part, to come to America. They leave behind their families. They leave their wives and kids behind. Very often the kids wind up involved in gangs. You know, families or humans are supposed to travel in families. Dogs travel in packs. Fish travel in schools. Geese travel in flocks. We're supposed to travel in families. When you break up American families or any families anywhere in the world, you break up a family, very often the young people will create a surrogate family known as a gang. So we're destroying families all over the world so we can get cheap, exploitable labor to screw over American and lawful immigrant workers. Everybody is taking the screw, except for the people at the top of the food chain. The people that are angry at the illegal aliens need to stop and think about it. If you could go to Canada illegally, and let's say in the United States you have a job that pays $80,000 a year, but in Canada the same job pays $800,000 a year, and you could go to Canada and take the job and send your money home? Be honest. Yes or no? Don't kid yourself. Would you or would you not do it? If you could go from 80000 a year to 800000 a year by going to Canada, would you not go to Canada? Of course you would. Let's be honest with each other. No game playing. Let's be serious. So we entice vulnerable people to come to the United States where they're treated like garbage, where they work under substandard conditions that are so dangerous that many illegal aliens are injured, and then they're left on their own to figure out how to get medical treatment. Yes, we have people who come here and they go on welfare and everything else, and it's wrong. They shouldn't do it. It's lousy. But who do we blame, them or our corrupt politicians who do this because they have ulterior motives in mind? And I will tell you what I believe motivates the politicians. I spent a long time pondering this. We know what the Republicans want. Cheap labor, no, no regulations, no nothing. Just let me rake in the profits. That's what this is about. If I could bring in foreign workers and displace Americans and people with green cards, lawful immigrants, that's fabulous because we know that the illegals will work for a lot less money and off the books, lots less headaches, and on top of it, no fringe benefits. I won't have to worry about giving them health insurance. They're off the books. Understand that. But what do the Democrats want? What do they gain? Initially, the Democrats opposed illegal immigration because they knew that it was hurting wages of working people. And back when I signed on with the Democratic Party more decades ago than I want to think, the Democrats looked out for the American workers. In fact, Barbara Jordan, a liberal black congresswoman from Houston, Texas, did a report 
over 20 years ago. I believe the report was written in 1996, but I could be mistaken, but it was certainly in the 90s. And she spoke a lot about the impact of illegal immigration on America's minority communities in particular and said that it was devastating. She was 100% opposed to illegal immigration. Most Democrats were. You could listen to the speeches made by Chuck Schumer and all these other characters. We have to have secure borders. We must not impact the wages of American workers. We must take care of the Americans. Absolutely, positively, it's immoral. And, you know, you listen to speech after speech after speech by the Democrats, and they were just so strong on the issue. My goodness gracious, we absolutely, positively have to be fair about this and enforce the law to protect the jobs and wages of American workers. They were just so crystal clear about it. And then suddenly someone flipped the switch. Someone flipped the switch. Who flipped the switch? Well, you have to imagine that it was people that were sending them their campaign contributions. And they said, what are you doing? We really could use all that cheap labor. And if you do this for us, we'll give you campaign contributions. And then you've got to remember that all of those illegal aliens are potential clients for law firms. And how do they become real clients? How do you get them all to go to the law firms? Promise them an amnesty program. Think about how amnesty all started. We're going to get them out of the shadows. First, we had it with Reagan. And I know some of you are going to get upset with me, but that's okay. We could speak bluntly. Let's get upset with each other once in a while. Let's have an honest conversation without running for a comfort puppy without running for a safety zone. We're adults. We're Americans. We can handle it. We can disagree. And that doesn't make us enemies. I don't always agree with my best friends. I didn't even always agree with me when I take a look at my position a few years ago. It evolves as we learn. Reagan was a globalist. Jimmy Carter was despicable. He was the one that started this Orwellian language. We can go down administration after administration after administration, and until Donald Trump, every last one of these people... Well, globalists, George W. Bush created a, such a dysfunctional DHS that John Hostetler, the chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, back in 2005 said that the way DHS was put together, cutting immigration into multiple agencies and folding it in with other agencies. Remember, C in ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, this customs has nothing to do with immigration. And what uh, was created, according to John Hostetler, was immigration incoherence by the Bush administration, George W. Even after two terrorist attacks in the United States in 1993, where it was obvious that immigration was at the root cause of the ability of the terrorists to enter the country and embed themselves, Clinton created something known as Citizenship USA, CUSA, where they ran 1.1 million applications for U.S. citizenship through the system so quickly that in many cases, all too many cases, Aliens with criminal histories before their prints came back were given citizenship, and then they had to scramble to try to revoke the citizenship. And many of them still have that U.S. citizenship. Why? We knew that immigration was an issue. Clearly, dangers to national security were not as high on the list of priorities as the politicization of immigration. And I, and I really believe that this was all about forcing more Americans to go to the left. I, I really think that that's really what we're looking at, forcing Americans to go to the left. You see, a lot of Republicans will say, well, the Democrats want all these foreign 
uh, immigrants to come into the United States so that if they come to the United States, they will ultimately come to vote for the Democrats. That's probably true. But think about how many families right now are in such dire straits, can't make mortgage payments. Putting the lights on is, is a luxury. Forget about cable television. They're struggling. There's something called Turo. I don't know if you folks have seen it. It's a web uh, or, or rather an application, but I've seen the, article, the uh, advertisements for it on television. Rent your neighbor's car. Toro, T-U-R-O. Who ever heard of that? The American dream used to be a small little house with a strip of grass and a two-car garage and two relatively new vehicles in the driveway. That was the American dream, a little patch of land that was yours. You could hang your name on it and say, that's my house. Home ownership is down and is becoming more and more impossible for more and more Americans with wage suppression that's where we are. Understand the problem. So we, we now have, incredibly, Americans who are actually um, looking to rent their neighbor's car. Who would rent out their car to a stranger? This is crazy. But people are forced to do it because they can't make the car payments or they can't pay for the insurance or there's other bills coming due that they can't deal with. The, the um, government shut down, and there was much discussion about how most federal employees barely have a week or two of money in reserve so that after two weeks, they're done. And, and I know I, I hear this all the time, especially from the conservatives. We have too many federal employees. Fire them. Let's make it easy to fire them. Folks, you're missing the whole point of the exercise. There was a reason that civil service put all sorts of protections in against the easy firing of civil servants. And there was a reason because it used to be, whether it was on the federal, state or local level, that when a politician came in, a new mayor came in, a new governor came in, a new president came in, they were able to tell the civil servants to violate every law and regulation or risk losing their jobs. And so the idea came up. Let's insulate civil servants from the whim of corrupt politicians. That's what happened. And I can tell you, by the way, that I've seen plenty of civil servants get fired. Don't think it's not possible. But please understand that the people that are the biggest problem for us, for we the people, are the people in management positions in government, at any level of government, because those political appointees get those jobs because they know that they are beholden to the head honcho, whether it's a mayor, governor, or president. Think about the deep state that everybody talks about now. So you've got people at the top of the food chain, and there's a wonderful Yiddish expression that when you translate it says that when the fish goes bad, it smells from the head. So if you're in a position of power in an agency, and you got there by doing things you shouldn't do, you went along to get along, who's going to know about it? The people who work for you. And now you're going to give those people who are morally bankrupt the easy ability to fire people who know the wrongs that they committed? Do you know what kind of a disaster that would be? So be careful what you wish for. Yes, I believe that government workers, just like workers in any location, need to be accountable. That isn't even a conversation. Absolutely, positively, I agree. But understand that certain insulation has been built in to protect civil servants 
who want to do the right job and might lose their jobs because of corrupt bosses who got into those positions of authority by going along to get along. So I just want you to file that away in the back of your head because most people seem to have forgotten that whole situation. But I can tell you it's a serious problem. But let's go back to, to, to really where we are and why the Democrats want to now flood America with cheap labor. It goes against this whole notion that the Democrats were the, the guardians of the working American, which they used to be. The Republicans always wanted to be able to bring in cheap labor. I mean, labor management has been the traditional dividing line in societies forever. The, 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 the managers want cheap labor and the workers want the biggest paycheck possible. It makes sense. It's just the way it is. Why then would the Democrats want wage suppression? Well, before I tell you the why, let me explain to you the how. And I've quoted Alan Greenspan before, but I haven't spent much time talking about what he had to say about the illegal alien workforce. You've probably heard me quote him about the H-1B visas. I'm going to go back and, and, and talk about that in a moment. But I, I, I want to read something to you. And this was the, a part of his testimony, Greenspan's testimony, before Chuck Schumer, when Chuck chaired the House I'm sorry, the Senate Immigration Subcommittee. This is April 30th, 2009. These are the words of Alan Greenspan. If you're going to get angry, be angry at him. I didn't say it. I'm just quoting him. Immigration to the U.S. slowed markedly with the onset of the current economic crisis. Again, this is in 2009. This is after the crash of 2008. But as this crisis fades, there's little doubt that the attraction of the United States to foreign workers and their families will revive. I hope by then a badly needed set of reforms to our nation's immigration laws will have been put in place. And now he goes on and says, there are two distinctly different policy issues that confront the Congress. The first is illegal immigration, the notion of rewarding with permanent resident status those who have broken our immigration laws does not sit well with the American people. Boy, isn't that the truth, right? In a recent poll, he says, two-thirds would like to see the number of illegals decrease. But there's little doubt that unauthorized, that is, illegal immigration, has made a significant contribution to the growth of our economy. Between 2000 and 2007, for example, it accounted for more than a sixth of the increase in our total civilian labor force. The illegal part of the civilian labor force diminished last year as the economy slowed, though illegals still comprised an estimated 5% of our total civilian labor force. Unauthorized immigrants serve as a flexible component of our workforce, often a safety valve when demand is pressing and among the first to be discharged when the economy falters. Some evidence suggests that unskilled illegal immigrants, almost all from Latin America, marginally suppress wage levels of native-born Americans without a high school diploma and impose significant costs on some state and local governments. However, the estimated wage suppression and fiscal costs are relatively small, and economists generally view the overall economic benefit of this workforce as significantly outweighing the cost. Understand this. They're acknowledging that there is wage suppression, but it's only minimal. Really? Minimal? If you are a member of the working poor and your wages are minimally suppressed, folks, you have a new title, homeless. 
Homelessness has never been higher, short of the Depression. Homelessness is on the rise because as we flood America with more people, there's more demand for housing. And when demand goes up, the price goes up, except for heroin, because there's an unlimited supply of heroin. But that's a story for another day. We've discussed that problem. So there's upward pressure on housing prices, downward pressure on wages. So who's making out? Well, the banks are. When houses get more expensive, the banks give out bigger mortgages and they get bigger money back from it, you see. So the money goes round and round like the song, the music goes round and round, right? And it comes out over here. Well, the money goes round and round, but it's not going into the pockets of the average American. The average American is suffering wage suppression. And how glib is is Mr. Greenspan, the man with the mansion in the Hamptons? Oh, well, it's a minimal wage suppression. And the state governments may have to bear some of the burden, but that's okay. Sure it is. Why is it okay? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. And then he talks about the H-1B visas and about how um, two-fifths of the science PhDs in our workforce are foreign-born in Silicon Valley. And this is back then. The number is probably higher now. And and what's so amazing is is that he, he says this. The quantity of temporary H-1B visas issued each year is far too small to meet the need, especially in the near future, as the economy copes with the forthcoming retirement wave of skilled baby boomers. As Bill Gates, the chairman of Microsoft, succinctly testified before Congress in March 2007, America, this is a quote from, from Gates, America will find it infinitely more difficult to maintain its technological leadership if it shuts out the very people who are most able to help us compete. He added that we're driving away the world's best and brightest precisely when we need them the most. Driving away the world's best and brightest. Damn it, where I come from, the world's best and brightest are called Americans. And they're ignoring here how many hundreds of thousands of Americans have been fired and forced to train their foreign replacements, often from India. Where, and he's talking about, well, they're about to retire soon. They know that? Increasingly, people are working into their 70s because they can't afford to retire. But they're going to retire soon. They're going to die soon. We're going to get rid of them soon. Why in the world would the Democratic Party openly speak about wage suppression and not say we've got to stop the trend of downward pressure on wages? It's destructive to the economy. The whole idea to the economic stimulus package, whether you liked Obama or not, I certainly had no no, no uh, sense of, uh, of, of affection for the guy. But the economic stimulus package, the whole theory was dump money into the hands of the consumers. They'll make more purchases. And through the multiplier effect, the economy will rev up. People will buy more products. Factories will produce more products. Salespeople will make more, more commission. They'll have more money. They'll make more purchases. And, and, and suddenly we build success upon success. If you suppress wages, people stop making purchases. This is a race to the bottom, as I wrote recently for Front Page Magazine. And in fact, Greenspan had the chutzpah to say this. Let me bring this one up, because this really blows my mind. Um, But it'll just take me a moment to find it, so please bear with me. Now, he talks about, again, this is the H-1B visas, and he says this. 
Our skill shortage, I trust, will ultimately be resolved through reform of our primary and secondary education systems. That's bunk. This was being stated at the time that Americans are being fired left, right, and center, and they still were, you see. Skill shortage. There's no skill shortage. And what happens is when you flood American schools with kids from foreign countries who can't speak, read, or write English, those kids can't take tests because they can't even read the words on the page. So what happens? They drag down our standing in the world in terms of science and history and and literacy and so forth. The average American is still bright and capable, but we wind up, you know, like number 18 behind, I don't know, pick some country. Why? Because you've got so many foreign students who are incapable of taking the test. They are English. They're not English proficient. They're English illiterate. So then the fact that they pulled down our ranking in the world gives the globalists the opportunity to jump up and say, and look at that, we're 18th or 19th or 35th in the world. No, we're not. What's this we nonsense? You see? So that's a real problem. And, and, and so this is now the benefit to importing more foreign workers, according to Greenspan. Our skill shortage, I trust, will ultimately be resolved through reforms of our primary and secondary education systems. But at best, that will take many years. An accelerated influx of highly skilled immigrants could bridge that gap and moreover carry with it two significant bonuses. These are bonuses. First, skilled workers and their families form new households. They will of necessity move into vacant housing units. Isn't that a great way to describe a home loss to foreclosure because of Greenspan's own policies of subprime mortgages? Does that not piss you off? Because it infuriates me. House price declines, he says, are a major factor in mortgage foreclosures and the plunge in value of the vast quantity of U.S. mortgage-backed securities that has contributed substantially to the disabling of our banking system. So in other words, If you bring these people in, they will force the price of houses up. The price of houses goes up, but we're going to lower wages. What does that do to American participation in real estate? But you see, the media wouldn't cover this. And when I've approached Republicans and said, why aren't you hammering Greenspan? They changed the subject. Most of them, they didn't want to hear it. Oh, we can't talk about that. Really, why? Well, we just can't talk about that. Fixes in tag team wrestling, right? I mean, think about that. We're going to resolve the issue of house price declines by putting foreign families into Americans' homes. How angry are you? You should have steam pouring out of your ears. And then, and this is really unbelievable if you thought the first was bad, the second bonus would address the increasing concentration of income in this country. In other words, someone's making too much money. I assure you he's not talking about himself or Zuckerberg or Gates or any of these other thugs. And he says this, greatly expanding our quotas for the highly skilled would lower wage premiums of skilled over the lesser skilled. Yes, let's get rid of that wage premium being paid to middle-class high-tech workers. Wage premium, my butt. He wants to cut the salaries for the middle class. And he goes on and says, skill shortages in America exist because we're shielding our skilled labor force from world competition. Quotas have been substituted for the wage pricing mechanism. And in the process, we have created a privileged elite. 
middle class is the privileged elite. Let, let that sink in. We have created a privileged elite whose incomes are being supported at non-competitively high levels by immigration quotas on skilled professionals, eliminating such restrictions. Flooding America, in other words, with foreign workers, would reduce at least some of our income inequality. How? By destroying the wage structure of the middle class. Is that not galling? Is that not galling? Think about what he just said. And what's so amazing, Cleus Greenspan in the middle of the speech says this, our primary and secondary school systems are increasingly failing to produce the skilled workers needed to fully, uh, to utilize fully our ever more sophisticated and complex stock of intellectual and physical capital. This capital stock has been the critical input for our rising productivity and standards of living and can be expected to continue to be essential for our future prosperity. Who's our? they want to slash wages our future prosperity now he's talking about himself and gates and zuckerberg and the ceos of these corrupt corporations that don't give a rat's tail about america's national security or about the lives of american citizens our our prosperity not yours and mine folks it's greenspan and zuckerberg and gates and their future prosperity in other words, let's have more of a transference of wealth from working Americans to the top of the food chain. That's what this is about. And the Republicans for short-term gains have said, oh, great, cheap labor. What they don't understand is if you destroy the middle class, you're destroying the consumer base so many companies depend on. Who's going out to buy a new car when you can't put a McDonald's hamburger on your dinner table at night, you see. So the Republicans have been foolish and greedy and thinking short term. The Democrats are a lot shrewder. They're a lot craftier. And they're telegraphing the punch. Because here's what I believe is happening. What the Democrats really want to see is the destruction of the middle class. More and more Americans dependent on subsidization of housing and food, the luxuries, you know, lights on at night, a little warmth in the dead of winter. That's what they're looking to subsidize. And why do they want to do that? And by the way, legalizing marijuana pushes us in that direction also. How many people will lose their jobs because they've smoked pot and when they take a urine test, they can't pass the urine test anymore, even if they did study for it? A little sick humor. So you wind up with more unemployed Americans, more underemployed Americans. And what will they do? They're going to vote for the candidate of the party that promises economic assistance. When was the last time the Republican Party promised economic assistance to America's working poor? How about the 12th of never? Who is always dangling some carrot or other? The Democrats. The Democrats, boys and girls. So if we could destroy the wage structure of America's middle class, force more people into a position of poverty, who are they going to vote for? The Democrats are, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I'm reading the tea leaves, and I see a push to create a one-party system in the United States. 
to destroy the middle class is to destroy the support for the Republican Party. I mean, the wealthy will always vote for the Republicans, but it won't much matter. Because, you know, how many wealthy are there? How many middle class are there? And how many poor are there? And how many people are there who need economic assistance? And under the current set of circumstances, those numbers are going to increase. Now, under Trump, wages came up a little bit and unemployment dropped. Not enough as far as I'm concerned, because there's many people not being counted. But that reversed the trend of what Alan Greenspan and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi wanted. They would love, I believe, to see every American living below the poverty line. So they are forced to vote for the Democratic Party. And, you know, it was funny when Nancy Pelosi said that that Trump's tax cuts were crumbs. Fifteen dollars an hour is a crumb also. What they're shooting for, I believe, they, the Democrats, is not a minimum wage of $15 an hour, but a standard wage of $15 an hour. Now, why do I say that? Because they keep talking about $15 an hour for wage equality. Greenspan told you what wage equality means, getting rid of that wage premium. Have you ever heard of an American who had a wage premium? No. Wage premium, my backside. We're going to cut the wages of American workers. How? By forcing them to compete with the third world. That's the goal. That's the game plan. And the Republicans are so blinded by greed that they don't have the chutzpah to stand up or the morality or the decency to stand up and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're destroying America. The heart and soul of America is the middle class. It's a middle class that created the, the American dream. It's the middle class that has the intellect and the capability of understanding what's going on and looking to go higher. And in fact, if you look at what was written in 1984, the novel by George Orwell, who I love to quote, it was the middle class that needed to be guarded the most carefully and surveilled the most carefully because they were the ones who had the education but lacked the ability to purchase the things they wanted. So between their frustrations and their education, they pose the greatest threat to the state, to the state, a dictatorial state in 1984. You really need to read 1984, folks. It's a quick read. It's disquieting. But if you read 1984, you will see the playbook being used by the Democratic Party. That's what's going on. That's why they want sanctuary cities. That's why they don't want a border wall. A border wall would work. And, and this nonsense, oh, old-fashioned. Yes, the wheel is old-fashioned, isn't it? Certain things don't need to be improved. Certain things are because they are. You know, you can still roast marshmallows at a campfire. You don't take out a laser to zap marshmallows. Now, why is that? Oh, it's old-fashioned. Uh, we have new technology. Well, I could direct you to study after study after study after study till they come out of your ears that drones are worthless but cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Why would you spend hundreds of millions of dollars on worthless technology? Oh, it's simple. So you could stand before the constituents if you're a politician and say, I just voted for a half billion dollars for drones. We're going to get tough on the border. And everyone goes nuts. Wow, drones on the border, just what we need. No, drones on the border, just what we don't need. Helicopters with agents on board would be an improvement, by the way. And for the price of one drone, you could put up at least four choppers, maybe more. I saw one study that said 10 choppers. 
and choppers have agents, and they can land, make arrests, and back up an agent who might be getting attacked. Drones just take a picture of the poor guy or gal getting getting hit, shot, stabbed, whatever. So why do they want drones and not helicopters? Because they want to spend money on things that don't work. It's the man that promises to cut the lady in half at the circus, knowing full well if he really cuts her in half, he's done. He's going to jail. No one's ever going to work with him again. He creates an illusion that he cut the woman in half, and when the act is over, she jumps up on the stage, and everybody cheers and applauds, and she and the magician take a deep bow, and the audience is entertained. This isn't a magic act to entertain folks that we're experiencing with immigration. It's a con game being foisted on Americans to convince Americans that they're getting what they want when they're really getting buckus. They're getting nothing. They're getting sand. But that's the game. Under no circumstances can the delivery of cheap, exploitable labor, foreign tourists, foreign students, oh, yes, and clients for law firms, immigration law firms, those deliveries need to keep right on arriving on time and in ever-increasing numbers so that more come, wages get suppressed further, knocking more people out of the middle-class box and into the waiting arms of the wonderful Democrats. Let that all sink in. The Democrats want sanctuary cities. Why? They don't even want ICE agents to arrest murderers and rapists. Why? Because they want them here. Why? Because the more who are here, the more that this challenges the economic norms of our country. If you want to take a country apart, and isn't that interesting that now we, we, we hear these commercials or these assessments of companies. It used to be that a company was revolutionary. It was a game changer. Now we're told it's disruptive. That word means an awful lot. Words matter, folks. At work, I used to be called the wordsmith. I pay attention to words. Why is it good to be disruptive? When we were kids, if your parents got a phone call from the teacher, well, God forbid the principal, Little Johnny was disruptive. Uh, little Johnny's parents weren't happy. Disruptive. But that's great now. We're going to be disruptive. Sure. We destabilize a society. We remove the anchors of our world. Societal reference points are gone. You know, So we're arguing about transsexuals who can use bathrooms. And don't say good morning, ladies and gentlemen, because not everybody is a lady or a gentleman. This is disruptive. This is about societal norms and societal reference points being taken away. So you're lost when you're driving your car somewhere. If you don't have a GPS, you know, well, when I get to the 7-Eleven, I make a left turn and then I make a right, a right turn when I get to the Shell gas station and the building I'm looking for is four blocks on the left. Imagine while you sleep, they remove all the street signs and they plow under the, the, those, those buildings. The, the 7-Eleven is removed. The gas stations removed. Now you're looking for that building. Where, where are you going to go look? The street signs are gone. You're lost. You're wandering around in circles. As a society, we're doing that to the United States right now. I truly believe that. So suddenly you're being told you can't say, ladies and gentlemen, and there's a whole bunch of things you're not allowed to say. Don't say this. Don't say that. Don't offend anybody. 
And, and so gradually, people are getting less and less certain about themselves or about the social order or about what's acceptable or not acceptable. Don't smile at the girl. You're going to be told that you just sexually, you know, did whatever. And, and let me be clear. Anybody who does anything of an assault on a woman or, or whatever should go to jail. I, I have no doubt in my mind. No means no and all that other stuff. But we've gotten to the point now where there's a war on the social norms. There's a war on the social norms. White privilege and all these other statements are all designed, I believe, to rattle everyone's cages and make everybody unsure about what to say, how to say it, where to go, where not to go. It's about societal reference points evaporating. And you add to all that confusion the fact that Americans are losing their capacity to support themselves. And so they have to seek out the party that offers them help. And what's the party? It's the Democratic Party. And you have Wall Street going nuts. Oh, my God, Trump is fighting with China over trade and profits are down. China wants to literally eat our lunch. China is not our ally. It's a communist country. Do you remember when the Berlin Wall came down and everybody was dancing? Yay, we killed communism. And I'm looking around and saying, what's wrong with these idiots? Cuba is a communist country. It's 90 miles off offshore. China is the most populous country on the planet. And it's a communist country. They're totalitarian. They're using technology in China now, facial recognition, to punish its citizens if they jaywalk or if they say things that are inappropriate or they go online and look for stuff that they shouldn't be looking for. And who's helping them to, to rein in on the rights of their own citizens? Google. But Google won't help the military of the United States because they say, oh, that's immoral. But a totalitarian Chinese government goes to Google and says, well, if you can help us censor our people and track the things they search for, you can set up shop in our country. And Google's a sure thing. I'll help you. Help what? Destroy any remnants of any hope of freedom in China? But it's immoral to help the U.S. military? We've lost our minds. We've lost our moral compass. We truly have. Up is down. Down is up. This is right out of the pages of George Orwell and Newspeak and the Thought Police. And the Thought Police. We're being told what words are acceptable and what words aren't acceptable. Do you understand that censorship, censorship is dangerous. Censorship is dangerous. Without freedom of speech, democracy is not possible. And they know there are some conservatives that are now doing gyrations because, oh, my God, he said democracy and not republic. I know. But if you go back to the political science courses, that uh, they're clear on this. There's a democratic process that's part of a democratic republic. And those are going away. Increasingly, we go to vote and you have a choice between two evils. Tails, they win. Heads, we lose. It doesn't matter anymore. No matter what you do, the outcome is the same and it's preordained. Both sides want open borders. Both sides. And along comes Donald Trump. And he dumped a, a mountain of ants into the picnic, and they are in a feeding frenzy because he screwed things up. But here's the problem. 2020, we don't know how that's going to turn out. 2024, it's over for Donald Trump as president one way or the other. 
then what? Will history record Donald Trump as simply being a speed bump on the way to globalism and anarchy in the United States? Actually, history won't, because history is written from the perspective of the winner. They may not even acknowledge that he was ever president pretty soon, because it'll be part of censorship. Uh, It'll be part of, let's recreate history. Let's ignore the past. Let's rewrite the past. We don't like the way the past reads, so let's change it. History is supposed to be immutable. Warts and all, history is what it is. Let it stand. Let's not revise history, but in communist countries, they always revised history. It was all about the propaganda. When people start revising history, run for your life. I don't ever want to see Auschwitz plowed under. It needs to stand so people can remember the atrocities committed by the Third Reich. All the innocent men, women, and children. Those unspeakable crimes, the crimes of nightmares. Sometimes it's important that when we as a species are at our worst, that we never forget that we were at our worst. So we don't allow ourselves to fall victim to the same madness. You don't rewrite history. You learn from history. If you rewrite history, then you're erasing lessons. That's something that no one wants to talk about. We're living in a state of turmoil. We're living in a country where children are being chastised for saying the Pledge of Allegiance, where football players have such a grudge against America that they do what they do. And look, I have to tell you, they have every right to do that, to kneel and so forth. And we as Americans have every right to not buy the products of those companies that support what's going on. We have pollsters who get on the networks every other week and tell us about Latino voters and black voters and Jewish voters and Christian voters. Folks were American voters. That's all that they should be talking about. All Americans have the same concerns, the same goals, the same aspirations. We want the government through the military to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. We want the schools to educate our kids. We want the police to make our streets safe. How in the world do you differentiate by race? When you differentiate by race, guess what? You're guilty of racism. And while we're on the topic of crazy, uh, I have to tell you, I wrote an article. I hope that you will check it out if you haven't seen it already. It's Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. Judges Gone Rogue, the uh, subtitle, Judge Embraces Lawfare to Obstruct Immigration Law Enforcement. And it's the story about a federal judge in the 4th District in Virginia who agreed to order a stay of deportation on a woman who was here illegally from El Salvador. She was arrested by ICE. She, went, she was supposed to show up for hearing, and she never showed up. And one of the things that they can do at ICE, or, or actually it's not ICE, but it's the immigration courts. It's a separate entity, is to rule on a person's deportability without the person being present. So people can be ordered deported in absentia. The judge looks at the facts and say, okay, I'm issuing a warrant of removal, a warrant of deportation. Well, that's what happened to this woman. And a couple of years later, sheriffs in Virginia uh, who were working with ICE, they were part of the 287G program, uh, saw the woman. She acted strangely when they approached her. They're in uniform as sheriffs. And when they went to talk to her, she ran. 
and they took that as probable cause to stop her. They contacted ICE, and ICE said, oh, yes, there's a warrant. Hold her for us. They did. ICE takes her into custody. She hires a lawyer. They tried to appeal everything, and the court said, no, you don't. You were ordered deported. You failed to show you need to leave the United States. They appeal again, and they get to this judge, and the judge says, oh, the police arrested you for an immigration violation? They don't have any authority. So I'm going to order that you not be deported so you can sue the sheriff and the county. So this woman is now suing that county in Virginia for a million dollars because the sheriff called ICE. ICE said, yes, there's a warrant. This isn't a detainer. This is a warrant. This is it, folks. With a warrant, you put someone's rear end on an airplane and wave goodbye. There was such a warrant outstanding on this woman. And the judge said, no, you don't. Police and sheriffs have absolutely no right to enforce immigration law. This was illegal, unfair, and you should sue them, and I'll let you stay in the country so you can pursue this. This is a level of madness that I don't even know where to begin, and it's only getting worse, and it's only getting worse. There's no reason to have a legal immigration system if you can come here illegally and be treated better than the person who comes legally. This makes a mockery of our laws. And it sends the dangerous message to people all over the world. Number one, the United States has become a certified insane asylum. And number two, in the United States, violations of law are not simply ignored, but rewarded. But rewarded. Up is down, down is up, left is right. Welcome to the Ministry of Truth, 1984. Here we are. Here we are. This is the lunacy that we're dealing with. And to their credit, Fox News has had me on uh, much more frequently of late. Fox and Friends first. It's an ungodly hour. I was just on uh, with the delightful um, Heather. Um, boy, I'm having a senior moment. But I was on with, um, with Heather, Heather Childers, and uh, they picked me up at 3 in the morning. My segment ran at 4.15. My interview ran at 4.15. But it was worth it because we talked about DACA, and I've written about DACA. My concern that if the president was to use DACA as a bargaining chip and agree to give lawful status to any alien who claims to have been eligible way back when, could open the floodgates for tens of millions of illegal aliens who could easily lie about when they came here. Because these folks could be as old as 38 years old now, 38 years old or 37 years old. All they have to do is say, I came before I was 16. No record is created when people run the border. And there'd be so many people, there would be no interviews and no field investigations, so the adjudications officer would have no way of knowing if the person was lying. It only takes a couple of terrorists to wreak havoc. Every alien who gets lawful status or even is able to pursue an immigration benefit is provided with an opportunity to embed himself in the country. That's one of the things that the 9-11 Commission warned us about the embedding tactic of terrorists. And so my concern, and it was one that I was able to articulate on Fox and Friends, uh, hat tip to them, because for quite a while, the media wasn't really getting into the nuts and bolts of this, but Fox News specifically reached out and said, you know, you seem very concerned about DACA. What's the concern? And I told them what my concern was, and they said, great. 
why don't you come on the program and talk about it? Well, how in the world do you turn that down? I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. And, and so here is what, um, what you need to hear. And, and this was part of the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. And those of you, again, if you're familiar with me, you know I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission because as an INS agent, I arrested and I investigated terrorists, not just from the, from the Middle East, from Latin America, from Europe, and so forth. Human nature is human nature. But here's the quote. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operation was to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, which is what DACA is, folks, or applying for asylum. Think of how many aliens were applying for asylum. Um, applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. It's crystal clear. And so the idea is that if you allow aliens to file these applications, you're opening the door. That's not to say that we shouldn't be entertaining applications. But the system is so overwhelmed. This is Lucy at the Bonbon factory. There is a very serious problem that we have. And the problem that we have is national security. Nobody would willingly get on an airplane if they knew that some of the passengers had evaded the TSA inspectors at the, at the airport. But we're being forced to live among millions of aliens who evaded the inspections process conducted at ports of entry to keep out criminals and terrorists and fugitives from justice and so forth. How is that acceptable? How in the world is that acceptable that we have to go through careful screening to get on airplanes, but increasingly the weapon of choice for terrorists around the world has not been airplanes but motor vehicles, and we're giving illegal aliens driver's licenses. Think about that. Think about that. And you have the Democrats insisting that they're being compassionate by shielding illegal aliens from detection by ICE, even though if you look at the 9-11 Commission report, interior enforcement of the immigration laws was critical to national security. These are the issues, folks, that you need to raise when you speak to your elected representatives. This is the material you need to share with your neighbors. We can turn this around, but the clock is ticking and time is certainly not on our side. When I look at this nonsense about the wall and the way that the Republican, the Democrats are referring to the wall as a vanity project for the president. That's nonsense. The wall, as I mentioned when I was on Fox, is designed to keep the aliens out in the first place. And all that technology is the equivalent of a burglar alarm. And most assuredly, I've never seen a house with a burglar alarm that didn't have a front door, you see, because the whole idea, the whole idea is, is to have um, a front door that's locked so you keep the bad guys out. Give that some thought. Please remember to get involved, folks. You know, 
I'm counting on you to share the information. Let your friends and neighbors know about my website, michaelcutler.net. Let them please go, and I ask you to go to frontpagemag.com. Check out my articles and get involved because, you know, as I always like to make the point, democracy is not a spectator sport. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to joining you again next week, same time, same place, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a good week. Hello?